welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I want to dive into the message real quick. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Chronicles 29. Or you could go to the Uversion app, and if you go to that app right now, especially while we're live, you can click on events, and then you can pull up the notes. A lot of people take them that way, and then they save them. It's a very simple way to do it on the Uversion app. But the title of today's message is Managing What God Gives You. Managing What God Gave You. Going to college... Uh, there was a class that every single person had to take. There were some Bible classes at the college that I went to. But there was a class that every single person had to take, and that was a personal financial planning class that everyone had to learn, which I think it would help if more people actually went to the personal financial planning class. But we went to that class, and I remember being a part of it. And they began teaching us something about investing. They taught us about savings, the history of the dollar, IRAs, all the things that you could want to go through. And they told us about uh, the dreaded B word. And just so you know, that word is budgeting. Uh, and some people here, they're like, yes, I love budget. Some people, the majority of us are like, hey, I don't, I don't like Mr. Budget. Mr. Budget and I many times aren't friends whenever I get into the store. But Mr. Budget kind of speaks to me and he tells me no. But one question the teacher always asks, and he especially picked on you, if you weren't paying attention. So I got called on a lot that semester. But he asked this question. Is it a money problem? And the answer was always the same. It's like, no, it's not a money problem. It's a money management problem. Ultimately, he was saying it's a matter of stewardship because no matter where we are, no matter your income level, we have been given an amount that we manage, whether it's 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, a million, whatever it is, we are to steward and manage what God gives us. But how many of you know that no matter how much you make, if you're living Above your means, you could be spending more than you even make. I was reading a book one time, and this one quote stuck out to me and kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I actually enjoy when that happens. It offended me. And he said, savings is the difference between your income and your ego. And I was like, that's a very good quote, and I'm going to use it. I gave them credit one time. Next time, it's just mine. <laughs> but I was like, that's a great point. The way that we live our lives, are we able to manage and truly manage well, let me say it that way, what God has given us. And we're going to go through uh, the life of David uh, really quick. In a couple of months, we're going to do a series on it. But the life of David, David was known as a man after God's own heart, a man that really pursued God. And he has patterns in his life that we can live and learn from uh, to be able to walk in our lives. And the first uh, three points today, and the first point is this, is that stewardship is connected to generosity. Stewardship is connected to generosity. You can't separate the two. As a matter of fact, the better stewards we become, the more resources we have, so that actually gives us the ability to be generous. There's two legs when you think about what we're talking about in this series, that we're generous stewards. That includes stewardship and that includes generosity. And the more generous we are, the more resources God gives us so that we can, once again, steward so that we can be generous. And David really took this to heart in First Chronicles 29, verse 14. It says this, but who am I? This is him speaking. And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything 
we have has come from you, and we give you only what you gave us first. So he's realizing, hey, I'm just simply a steward or a manager of what you gave me. We are here only for a moment. So this is time sensitive. Visitors and strangers of the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on the earth are like a passing shadow, gone too soon without a trace. O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. So do you see in this passage that David realizes he's simply a manager? He's a steward. Everyone sees that. Um, here's why I think it's really important because David is a king at this time. I don't know if anybody here is king or queen. That, that may happen. We may have royalty in the room, but most of us aren't. But if you've ever been around or seen a king or queen move, they typically think that it's theirs. They do what they want. They have people that serve them. They're used to that. But David in this moment is saying, even as king, I understand that it all belongs to you. And he actually wrote at that time, which would have been considered one of the biggest checks to building of the temple, even though God said that you're not going to be the one to build it. He actually, if you were to look in the equivalent of today's dollars, set aside over a billion dollars for the preparation of the temple. So this was huge in his heart to be able to walk out. But giving, David shows us, and generosity is ultimately all about the heart. It's all about what God is doing on the inside of us. All throughout scripture, your heart is known as the seat or place of your affections. So where are your affections? Where are they heading? Proverbs 4 tells us to guard our hearts above all else for out of it for the issues of life. So we live ultimately out of our heart. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21 says this. Don't store up for yourself. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and inflation destroys them. Wait one second. Sorry, that's not in there. It must be, I must be reading from the ESV. For those that don't know, that's the Ethan Standard Translation. So, okay, let me read about it. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be. But many of us, we've heard this backwards. Or we maybe even believe it's backwards. Like where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And Jesus actually says, no, it's actually where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Think about it. If you've ever invested in a stock before, what you become a shareholder. But you begin to look at it. You begin to research it. Hopefully you did a little bit of research beforehand before you bought it. But you begin to check on it on a consistent basis. Why? Your heart is attracted to it because your treasure is there. The question is for us, do we have treasure in heaven? See, Jesus isn't saying, I don't want you to store up treasure. He was just focusing on where you store it up. If you store it up here, there's a potential for loss. But if you send it on ahead, there's actually, a, there is no potential for loss. So he's saying this to them in this manner, and he's also speaking to us, that where you store it matters. But it's not for him. He actually says, it's for yourselves, that we can have treasure in heaven. So God is not against us having treasure, but here's what he is against. He's against treasure having your trust. He's not against you having treasure. He's against treasure having your trust. And if your trust is towards your treasure, then it can't be with God. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But if you're trusting in your treasure, you won't put your trust fully in God. So what place ultimately will be your security? Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. How many times do we think about the things of heaven? Versus how many times we're concerned about here on the earth. See, Matthew 6.33 tells this very famous passage, but it says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. That's the number one thing you should seek because it prioritizes and organizes the rest of our life. And it says, all of these things will be added to you if you would simply seek God first and store your treasure in heaven and have a heavenly perspective. Because stewardship is connected to generosity. The second thing is this. Generosity is connected to sacrifice. Generosity is connected to sacrifice. It's impossible to separate the two. David knew what it meant to sacrifice. He knew what it meant to, to give, to go above and beyond. But he also knew that his sacrifice would have a generational impact. His sacrifice today would affect the generations of Israel tomorrow. And there's a story in 1 Chronicles 21 that we're about to look at, but I want to give you some context real quick. David in this moment is really at the height of his kingdom. But God clearly chose Israel. They were his. So he actually told all the kings not to take a census because the king would be in this moment, this is a moment where he was acting more like a king and an owner than a manager. And he was saying, how many subjects do I have? How many people do I have in my kingdom? So he starts, uh, he sends his commander out to get a number. And the commander actually stops counting because he realized it was sin. But in the moment here, the prophet actually comes to him and said, you have sinned and there's going to be a consequence to your sin, but you actually get to choose it, which is very rare. God doesn't do, hey, you want, hey, what's the consequence to your sin? You want to choose. So he got three choices. The first one was famine. And he was like, I don't want that because I don't want the people hangry at me. That's just not going to work in this kingdom. Apparently, David liked to eat, so he chose not that one. The second one is uh, you're, you're going to battle your enemies on a consistent basis. They're going to come, and they're going to destroy you. And he's like, I don't want to fall in man's hands. What's the final one? And the final one was ultimately to fall into God's hands. And he actually says, let me fall into God's hands because I know he's gracious and he's merciful. I'd rather do that than anything else. So we step in at this moment. First Chronicles 21, starting at verse 18, it said, then the angel of the Lord told Gad, the prophet, to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So the angel that had caused this plague, he was at the place where he, he, he had stopped. God said, that's enough. And David's about to build an altar at this place. Picking up in verse 22, David said to Arana, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings and the threshing boards for wood to build a fire on the altar and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all to you. Here's what he's saying. It won't even cost you anything. I'll do it all for you, David. But here's David's response. But King David replied, no, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. 
I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. Here's what we need to realize. Genuine sacrifice will always cost you something. Genuine sacrifice is always going to cost you something. Many times, it's going to cost us our comfort. That's always the price in sacrifice because it's not comfortable to sacrifice. It's going to cost us our pride. It's going to cost us fear to be able to step out and obey God. It's also going to cost us our time, our energy, our resources. There is a cost to sacrifice. But here's what I've learned is that the depth of your security will determine the depth of your sacrifice. The depth of your security will determine the depth of your, that you are willing to sacrifice. Think about it for a second. Abraham, he had walked with God for a very long time, 25 plus years, had his son of promise. Then God comes to him and asks him, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son. Abraham had walked with God for a very long time. If you know the story, God stops him as he's about to do it. But Abraham got up the very next morning early and went on his way. But he had walked with God for a very long time. And Hebrews 11 tells us that he was like, hey, even if I sacrifice him, I know God is powerful and he'll raise him. He'll raise him up. That's the relationship. Even David, once again, he said, let me fall in God's hands. Because there was a security that was there. So that he was willing to sacrifice because he knew the God that he served. And for us, we have to come to that place where we know the God that we serve. See, for Christians, we live on the other side of Jesus. See, we should be the most secure in God's love for us. We should be the most secure that we belong. And here's why. Because God already gave the ultimate sacrifice. He already gave Jesus in advance, not knowing what your decision would be. Romans tells us, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already sacrificed and he was willing to go all in, not knowing what our response would be. So we should be secure in our, in our identity with him. But as we continue this passage, it's just interesting to me. And I, as I was praying and reading this week, it kind of stood out to me. And it was something I hadn't seen before. You may have noticed it. First Chronicles 22, verse 1, one more verse. Then David said, this will be the location for the temple of the Lord and the place of the altar for Israel's burnt offerings. So even though he took the census, even though he had consequences, he actually brought him to the place where his sacrifice in the purchase of land ended up being the place that would be where God's presence would dwell in the temple. And that sacrifices for generations to come would be made because of his decision in this moment. And it's affected his son. Second Chronicles 1, verse 6 and 7 says this. There in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. He went over and above what he needed to. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. God can ask people who are generous and are good stewards, what do you want? Because he knows that what you're going to do with it. I was, I was listening to a pastor one time, and he shared the story of a time he was hung with a uh, congregation member. And he said, um, there are three levels of giving. Do you know what they are? And then the guy said, yes. He's like, the first level is the tithe. The tithe is the one area where God says, you can test me in this. And the, the one area is the tithe, 10%. Um, and it actually always says bring the tithe. It doesn't actually say give it because you can't give what's not yours. There's a principle all throughout scripture that it belongs to God. Then he said the second level is offerings, tithes and offerings. Many people know that, but there's actually one more level. 
And this is the way that he described it. He said there's, there's tithes and there's offerings and then there are painful offerings. The offerings that are sacrificial, the word I'd give it, they're extravagant offerings. Because there's an emotional attachment to it. You remember that. But the truth is God sees it. That's what's most important. God sees when we sacrifice. In John chapter 12 with, with Jesus and his disciples, a woman named Mary stops by and it says, John chapter 12 verse 3, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, this perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So look at this mo moment. She's actually going to be a part of the preparation for Jesus' burial. There was a purpose to the extravagance of her gift. And I don't know about you. Sometimes I read, I'm like, Jesus, you know all things. Did you not know that the person you appointed to be the treasurer was the one stealing all the money? Here's actually what I believe was happening. He was giving them a chance to change. But there was so much greed in his heart. And here's what we need to realize about greed. Greed will always make a mockery of extravagance. If there's greed in our heart and we see extravagance, we will always make a mockery of it. Because it exposes the greed that's in our own heart. But if we're generous, we actually love extravagance because we realize that extravagance is not a waste. But here in another passage, Matthew 26, 8 and 9, the same story, it says this, the disciples, so it wasn't just Judas, were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. If you find yourself saying it could have been about extravagance, you're actually walking in the same spirit that Judas did. See, extravagance in the kingdom of God is a normal part of life. Sacrifice is a normal part of life from the very beginning up until Jesus. It's a normal part, but what the world may see as waste, God considers worship. It was an act of worship, and she got to be a part of something that was great. Giving, she saw it as an opportunity to exercise her faith, not an obstacle to her faith. Uh, before we started the church, I was... A, part, a friend invited me to come out to a conference. It was led by Rick Warren. And he was just sharing his story and, and about their church. And he began to share his, his heart. Many of you have read his book, The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you've read it before. Okay, we have a few people. It's actually sold millions upon millions of copies. I believe it's like 40 plus million now. Um, but he began to share that story with a bunch of pastors that were in the room. And he talked about when he was younger, the commitment that he made. That 10%, the tide would be his floor every single year, and he would add 1% every single year to the point where he got to where he was giving away 90% and living off 10. So we'd give 11% one year, 12% the next, 13% the next, 14, 15, so on. And then he gets a, the, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, and it goes, and, and many people have read it, and it really is a, one of the most influential books. But he asked the pastors there the question, why do you think God gave me this book? There's been plenty of people that are written on purpose. I mean, you go to the self-help section, and there's plenty of books about purpose. But what he said really stuck with me. He said, God could trust me with the resources, the influence, because I had a track record. I, he knew what I would do with it. Many times we say, well, God knows my heart. 
God knows my heart. What I want to say, your heart is actually revealed and reflected in your actions. And God could trust him and with influence because he had a track record. And God wants us to realize that generosity is always connected to sacrifice. And here's the final point. Generosity is connected to love. Generosity is connected to love. John 3.16, passage that everyone knows. But it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love and giving are always connected. They're always connected because God is a giver. He, because God is a giver, we should be givers. We are never more like Christ than when we give. There was a, a time where someone came up to a pastor and he asked him in an interview, hey, um, how often do you talk about giving? And the pastor said, every single week. And the interviewer was kind of floored like, what? You talk about giving every single week? He's like, the question I believe you meant to ask me was, how often do I talk about giving money? And the pastor answered once every three to four years. He's like, but I talk about giving every single week because you can't actually walk with the Lord and not be a giver. If you want to pray, that includes you giving your time. If you want a healthy marriage, it requires sacrifice and laying your life down. You're going to have to give. You're going to have to serve. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, it always includes giving your life away it's following the example of what Jesus did because he's called us to do that. But have you ever asked yourself the question, what is it that God treasures? Out of all the things on earth, out of all the things that he's created, what is it that God treasures? I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is you. The answer is me. He treasures us so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price. Deuteronomy 7 says this, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. So we are treasure. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, for God bought you with a high price. See, the value of anything is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. And God was willing to give his son so that you and me can be in relationship with him once again. That is because he loved us. One thing that many of us would have a hard time believing is that in John 17, as Jesus is praying to the Father, he said that you love them as much as you love me. Many people don't live in that reality that God loves them as much as he loved Jesus. That would change your world. It would change the way that we live. It would change our security. It would change our identity to believe that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if we actually live that way, that our love, that God's love for us is not based on our circumstances. That's not an indication that God doesn't love you. The suffering we may be going through, the hardship or whatever it is, is not an indication of God's love. God's love for you is eternal because you are his. And he loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. See, we need to realize that we are God's treasure because once we realize that we are God's treasure, it actually puts our treasure in perspective. It puts everything else in perspective when we realize that God loves us. I remember in 2018, before we came and moved to the Houston area, we were praying about God was, where God would send us. We were having conversations with the elders and leaders there that sent us down here to plant Gateway Church. 
As we were walking that process out and we finally had the place, we started out in the Sugar Land area, uh, moved to Stafford and finally came to the Katy area. Uh, but before we came out, they actually entered, like mentioned it to the staff, hey, here's what's going on. Uh, Ethan and Elaine feel like God has called for them to start a church uh, and they're going to the to Houston area and so the, the entire staff prayed over us. I remember afterwards I went back to the office uh, and there was a single mother that was there that uh, worked in one of the apartments I was in, and she said, hey, Ethan, and called me over there. She was just like, I love the fact that God has called you to plant Gateway Church in the Houston area. I'm not going with you, but I'm so excited that God's calling you to do it. But she said, hey, I want to be a part. As I was sitting there and I heard it, I just felt like God simply spoke to me, and I want to walk out in obedience. A single mother, and she gave us a significant check. It was the first gift of Gateway Church here in the Houston area. And the total amount was $50. And I still remember that to this day, that God would stir someone's heart enough to be willing to sacrifice. Because I realized how significant it was for her. And we prayed and she, she gave it. But the whole point is is that she was so secure in who God was in her life, she was willing to sacrifice. She was willing to give. And God is calling us, every single one of us, to that place. And some of us need to come to the place where we simply give our lives to him, that we trust his love for us, that we are accepted and that we can belong in his family. But he's calling us because significance is not the amount of the sacrifice. It's the amount of the obedience. And she was simply obedient to what God was calling her to. And that's what God wants us to do as well. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. At the end of every single service, we ask this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this message? Some of us need to have a greater understanding of God's love. Some of us, there may be some areas when it comes to stewardship or generosity that God is speaking to us about. But we're about to go into one more song of worship. And as we sing that song, I'm going to invite some prayer team that will be down up front. We do this every single week. We have worship, we have the word, and then we have prayer. And there are people down here that want to have the opportunity to pray with you through whatever you may be going through. It doesn't even have to pertain to the message. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come down and receive prayer, but we want to have the opportunity to pray with you. Don't leave today with the same burdens that you came out with without joining up with someone else and them joining their faith with yours and praying. But every one of us have the opportunity to respond in worship to God. So I'm going to pray. And then we are going to respond to what he's saying to us. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are calling us to be generous stewards with our time, our talent, our treasure, that you even give us a place to store it up where there will be no potential loss. We thank you for your goodness and that you gave the ultimate sacrifice first and that we can have right relationship with you again because of your grace and because of your mercy, not because of our own works. We're simply saved by believing on the name of Jesus. 
So I pray that you would take us all to a greater level of belief, a greater level of stewardship, a greater level of generosity. But I pray above all that you would take us to a greater level of who we are as your sons and your daughters. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.